And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 120 of the Keith Law Show. My guest this week will be Will Leach, who I think is making his fourth appearance. I actually have to go back to the archives and try to figure that out. It is a fierce competition who's been on the show the most times. Nobody cares. Nobody actually cares about this. Well, I guess I do because I'm the sort of person who keeps track of such things. Before I get there, I have... One post up, and by the time you hear this, might have a second post up for subscribers to The Athletic. The one that is definitely up, because I believe it went up on Monday, was a look at, I went to LSU on Friday night to see outfielder Dylan Cruz and right-handed pitcher Paul Skeens, who are both, at least in the running, I would argue, to be the first overall pick in this year's draft. And then with some bad weather potentially coming through, bounced out to UVA to see Kyle Teal, Jake Geloff. And Duke's Alex Mooney, all of whom are going to be top three rounds picks. Teal probably goes in the top 10. So I have one blog post that covers what I saw from all of those players. I also have a ranking that has been filed. I'm not sure exactly which day it's going to run. It's going to run Thursday this week or Friday. But an expanded ranking, top 50 prospects for this year's draft. I'll blow that out to 100 in a couple of weeks. Um, But in the meantime, I think at least blowing it out to 50 gives you a pretty good idea of who I and the industry also believe to be in the mix for the first round in general. For those of you who follow for board game content, I also have a new review over up at up over at Paste this week of the board game Earth, which is one of the hottest games of the year so far. It is at least on the short list of games likely to win one of the Spiel des Jahres uh, awards, which are the sort of the annual, the best picture of board gaming. And it actually does make a pretty big difference to sales when a game wins one of those awards. There are two. There's sort of the family game and then there's the experts game. I don't know where they'd characterize Earth. But it does remind me quite a bit of Wingspan. If you're a fan of the game Wingspan and are looking for something similar, but that's a little more involved, um, a little bit more complex, maybe take a little bit longer to play, but has a lot of the same elements as Wingspan, then Earth is probably the game for you. Well, now it is my pleasure to be joined by my uh, repeat guest. I guess I have to go back and count how many times I've had. It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot, right? Yeah. You're I think almost... I'm getting like I'm getting like I'm getting like the Tom Hanks uh, jacket for Saturday Night Live. Damn right? it! You and, stole uh... my joke. Yeah. Call me Mr. <laughs> Steve Martin. Yeah, please, Mr. Steve. Hey, look, it's Elliot Gould. He practically lives here. <laughs> 
my guess anyway, if you didn't sorry. recognize the voice my, i messed up the intro sorry no that's fine that's fine there is no intro right we just it, i just make it up as i go along if you didn't recognize his voice my guest is will leach uh he is uh he writes i, I you might actually write more than I do, and I don't know a lot of people who do that. You you are an extremely prolific writer. He has uh, his new novel, The Time Has Come, is will be out on May 16th. Uh, his last novel, How Lucky, came out two years ago, uh, also in May, I think. They are both excellent. You can find Will at williamfleach.substack.com. Um, I would suggest other social media sites, but they're all terrible, so we're just going to pretend those don't exist. Anyway, Will, <laughs> welcome back. Of course, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to uh, to come back on and and now listen. All your loyal listeners can see the the, the headline for this post. Be like, oh, it's Leach again. Okay, I probably there's a lot of NBA playoff uh, podcasts I need to listen to right now. <laughs> uh, we all I I know that I'm doing that. Yeah. I have like like the, now for once I don't have to listen to your show. So because I'm on it, right? This so is now true. I can go and like I get caught up like because Zach Lowe is making so many podcasts right now. So I and I'm. And I'm I'm falling behind. So fortunately, this week I could skip yours there you go. because I'm on. Yes, and it will probably be longer than usual because that's generally what happens when you're on <laughs> as well. Yeah, well, sorry. I figured we'd talk some pickleball. We talk some, We talk uh-huh. about how well the Cardinals are doing, right? Oh, yes. Maybe one, a- one thing about the book towards the end of the show. That sounds. I definitely am in a great mood to talk about the Cardinals right now. Uh, it is like listen, the Cardinal fans. We're so freaking spoiled. Like we're so spoiled, and this is like the ultimate example of why we're spoiled. Because not only are we frustrated with how the Cardinals are playing, like there's legitimately like an existential crisis of wait, what am I going to do with my summer <laughs> if they're really bad like it's really a strange thing because it, like some like they've had years where they've not made the playoffs and the years have been disappointing but they're always relevant like they're always around and it's been I, listen, I still feel like i think the pitching is bad but i still feel like there's enough talent that like they can't be like this all year so, i mean a they're already 10 games out and b i don't request much i just you know i just we, we just want to watch baseball all the time. that's all i want to know like the idea i don't know how i'm very curious to see how cardinal fans can pass the diehard pirate fan test of it's mid-August, you're done, it's hot out. Uh, there's no, uh, you 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 really gonna stay and watch all these games? You really gonna watch all the games? Uh, we'll see. It'll be that'll be a test this year. Hopefully, it won't come to that. Yes, we will. Uh, I, I I not that I'm a fan of any particular team. I think the Cardinals will will rise and the Pirates will fall. I don't know how much, but. I feel pretty like I had the Cardinals finishing ahead of the Pirates coming into the season. I'm going to stick with that right now. Maybe that's wildly optimistic, but I'm sticking with it. I think that's reasonable, but it is worth noting that um, (laughs) I can understand why all of America does not want that to happen. We've got it coming. We've got it coming. And the Pirate fans also have it coming. Oh, absolutely. They'd be a way better story. Oh my gosh. And also like, I say this all the time, but like one of my favorite baseball moments of really the last 10, 15 years was when they had that first wild card game at PNC park, where they had not made the playoffs in so long in 2013. And that place was so, it was like basically like a hockey arena. Like people were just nuts. And that was the time they got so loud and crazy that Johnny Cueto dropped the ball on the mound. Cause they were chanting Cueto, Cueto. And that, like that is an awesome baseball experience to have the pirates fans engaged in a playoff game. I'd love for it to happen. Just not at the Cardinals' fans' expense because we've suffered enough. So let's uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the new book. It is called "The Time Has Come," um, mm-hmm. which I have many things I want to bring up. But first, I want to point out: I think Jace would be a Keith Law fan. I feel like that kid 
would read no my question. stuff, right? I no like question. that kid. He's a minor character in the yeah. book, but I really needed to get that out there to find a way yes. to tie the book back to me. Of course, yeah. of course, by all means. There is a character. Jace is a is a uh, is a high school. He's sixteen years old and plays plays. I, I would say little league baseball. At that point, it's like travel ball or whatever it is. But uh, but he is uh, uh, he is both. He's a really smart kid who has learned who's learned that a way to uh, not get ostracized in his rural community for being a smart kid is to be really in the baseball, which I agree. I can vouch for because that's what I did. <laughs> so so I can uh, I can certainly vouch for that. But yeah, yeah, Jace is uh, um, there's all of the characters in the book have uh, little parts of me and the people I know around me. But I would say the one that's probably uh, emotionally or at least biographically closest to me, it's probably Jace. So uh, I'm a Keith Law fan. Oh, there you go. So I assume Thank that you. Jason would also be a Keith Law fan. So one thing I really liked, and I loved How Lucky too. I'm going to end up comparing the books a little bit uh over the course of the conversation but uh one of the things that i thought was interesting how lucky really revolved around this one great main character mm-hmm. and it, it i don't know if that was kind of how it evolved necessarily in your in your mind but just reading it, i was like oh this this starts with the character and sort of radiates outward from there you yeah. have the the story happens to the character and the story is good but it is the character who really sort of drew me in very early in the book and carried me all the way through whereas in the time has come You've got a whole cast of characters, right? This is this gets the SAG Award nomination for best ensemble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots, lot, yeah. The, certainly, the limited series. Yes. It feels like everyone, everyone <laughs> uh, can all just come in and do their own part, and then at the end, they all have to come together. Right. We yes. get the origin story for each character. Exactly. It's, a separate it's like episode. Lost. It's, yeah. it's like it's like it's a little like Lost, but you know, less metaphysical, and 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 we'll and we hopefully this sticks the yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was curious how that did that did it come about that way? Were you thinking? Did you have this story idea? And I, I, I want to be very careful of spoilers because certainly what happens yeah. in the last fifty pages is is uh, there's there's quite a bit of suspense in the novel. Yeah. But you do you you take it's I think it's six people ultimately end up in the same place and each of them mm-hmm. does have a little bit of an origin story, an interesting background. They're very distinct three dimensional characters, which to me was very much the strength of the book. Yeah, you know, the and originally, you know, basically with How Lucky, you know, I had the character and then I realized I have to have find something for Daniel to do. <laughs> like I love Daniel so much. But I feel like and so there are people that have like that, uh, partly, you know, every every they always say that every book is a response to the last book. And certainly, you know, I think that um in How Lucky, I was very happy with How Lucky and people really liked How Lucky. But uh if there was a criticism of it, which I kind of agreed with and kind of didn't agree with, but I understood it was yeah, but like Daniel's a great character, but the story is just like a regular straightforward story, which I agree. Hopefully it still works, but like certainly I didn't go into that plot first. Uh, for me on this, what I wanted to do, uh, the book takes place. Uh, it's, funny, it's funny you say about careful of spoilers, and this is something we've run into with a problem with talking about the book. It's hard to talk about the book without spoiling the book from, from the kind of the get-go. So uh, the, the best way I would say it is this. Um, they, I wanted to tell a story. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and try. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm so just starting. The book is not even out yet, so I'm going to. You're going to. I'm going to workshop my elevator pitch uh, right now while I've got the opportunity. Basically, the idea is there is this woman named Tina Lamb. She is a. Uh, this is in, in June of 2021. So the pandemic is not over, but we are in the spot where people have gotten their shots, and we all thought we were like through, right? We all thought we were kind of through in June 2021. So that's when this takes place. 
but she has been isolated. She's a school teacher has been isolated and alone throughout the pandemic, throughout the pandemic. She is uh, kind of radicalized or at least not radicalized, but scared uh, and kind of isolated and takes solace in like this kind of conspiracy theory that she kind of finds online. And she believes something horrible is happening at this drugstore, particularly a drugstore called Lindbergh's. So she, the book opens, there's, there's seven, seven characters. She's the only one that speaks in the first person. The rest is a general third person thing. And she tells the, the reader on June 16th at 540, I'm going to go to Lindbergh's. I'm going to stop what's happening there. She was actually initially inspired by uh, that kindergarten teacher that stormed the Capitol. If you remember, because and she did not do it if you, when afterwards they interviewed her and she was like, wait, no, I'm not there to like stop the steal or anything. I actually just had gone online and I had seen that there were children being held in the depths of Congress and I had to go save them. And she was earnest. She was obviously very deluded and obviously needed some help. But she did not go in. She was not wearing a, you know, a Viking helmet. Right, right. She was like legitimately like she was, was just a kind of radicalized. kindergarten teacher. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, like, so I got kind of obsessed with her as a character and the idea of how kind of lost and kind of confused everybody was really during that time. It really kind of still is. And so, um, basically, once once we established five forty, June sixteenth, that's when she's doing it. We then immediately cut to June sixteenth, and then we follow six characters throughout their day as the regular who do not know what's happening at Lindbergh's uh, at, at 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 five at, at five forty in the afternoon. Basically, they we follow them throughout their day, and then they all end up there at the same time. We know what's going to happen at Lindbergh's; they don't. And so the idea of that was, I um um we wanted the next book to be a little bit more, if not plotty at least a little bit more clear through line story as opposed to how lucky which has a story but daniel will go off on tangents sometimes and daniel will go off and kind of do other things for this we kind of wanted a real tight story but i actually care much more about people still than i do stories so i feel like i know what i'll do i'll trick everyone into thinking that this thing is getting more suspenseful by having you know something the characters are about to run into but they don't so that makes every single thing that each of those six characters are doing throughout the book it makes each of them uh everything they do is weighted with a little bit more import because you like wait there we know what tina's going to do at Lindbergh's. they're going to be there at the end of the day i really care about this person now and it allows you hopefully anyway so th that's what kind of builds the suspense of the story is you get to really really care about these characters who are all going through their own things in the midst of uh of kind of uh, not it's not a pandemic book i would certainly hope that would uh, be the worst thing to, to sell it as certainly but i do think that like they're all kind of trying to uh, recover like a lot of people are from an incredibly tumultuous time. The original title of the book was actually Tumultuous Times. And that was the thing I kind of wanted to get across was, uh, uh, but the thing that I think is key to all of them, and I think this even kind of includes Tina, they all really do mean well, and they really do are trying to do the right thing. And they, and they stumble and they screw things up like people do all the time. Uh, but when pressed and when caught to, uh, you're called to stand up, uh, they find a reserve within them that might surprise them a little bit. And so that's the way, that's uh, way too long. That's a very long elevator ride. <laughs> but, uh, certainly, certainly uh, I'm working. I, but I do feel like, you know, I, I wanted to have it be a little tighter than How Lucky. It's, it's about 20,000 words longer than How Lucky, but I think it reads probably just as 
fast, I hope, because it's the story is is really tight. Uh, and uh, and there's a lot. And as, as the story goes along, you realize there are certain connections the characters have. And the movie, the book is inspired by the movie Shortcuts, the Robert Altman movie uh, came out in 1993, which no one knows anymore because it's not available for streaming. So I usually just say Magnolia, which is basically Magnolia is 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 kind of uh, it was kind of his homage to that movie and, and an homage to Altman. So uh, that, that's a good example where you follow all of these people throughout the story. And at the end, an earthquake comes in shortcuts or frogs fall from the sky in Magnolia. There's a big <laughs> event and you see how it affects all of the characters that you've gotten to care about. Throughout the movie. It's funny you mentioned the capital because the, the, what I thought of just in the very – the first whatever three or four pages when Tina is speaking was Comet Ping Pong when – the, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Right, the guy shows up with a gun. He's like, "I'm here to rescue the kids in the basement," and yeah. they're like, "We yeah, there is, yeah. yeah, there is no basement actually, now, and also yeah. no kids." <laughs> but right, let's just yeah, right, start right, right. with the, the more yeah. You know, we'll start with the lack of the room. Right, where the, the theoretical kids are not being held. Yes, and and I think that's right. You know, and I and I, I listen. One thing um, that I that I try to in my life, and also and by the particular in my writing, because I probably fail more often in my life at it, is I really I just try to remember that everybody's going through something. And uh, and I think, you know, you particularly saw this during the pandemic. I tried to always remember that, like, everyone is at the worst part of their life right now. Like, I don't know how I, I don't know how you were, but like, uh, I guess we talked a little bit during that time. But like, it was no, it was not what a fun time. And no one was really kind of at their best. And I try to remember that for not just all the characters, but but Tina in particular, she is not a bad person. She has had a lot of tragedy in her life. She had a lot of terrible things. Uh, she And she's lost and she's looking for something to hang on to. And I think that's one thing that we saw really kind of across the spectrum uh, in, the, in the last few years where we've kind of gone through all of this is um, people want to feel like they are connected to something when they are isolated and alone. And sometimes that can be good and sometimes that can be not so good. Uh, but I, I certainly... You know, I find myself looking back at some of the things that I felt absolutely passionately <laughs> at many stretches uh, during uh, that time. And I still believe generally I'm, I felt like I've suddenly changed. I've, I've, I've had suddenly had a, like a crazy bent in my politics, but certainly, uh, you know, everyone's doing their best and everyone's a little scared and everyone is, is uh, just trying to make it through the day. And I tried to bring that to each of these characters, a certain kind of empathy for their situations, even when uh, uh, maybe they're, they're in a bad spot or have made some mistakes. I like that. Um, just about all of the characters have had something, some sort of, um, it's not necessarily tragedy. I think Tina's life is, is the most tragic. And there is sort of something to that arc, right? Where it's just, you know, life was okay, okay. And one thing and one thing. And, and, and you know, it just takes these little turns, little turns, little turns. And that's how, I mean, I think we, we see plenty of those stories of people like that. And before you know it, suddenly they're like sucked into QAnon, for example. Yeah. Which, or, yeah. Or, or they're, they're not leaving their house anymore. Right. right? Like we, I've got friends like that. Like I got friends that like, like we used to be the, like we used to go part drink all the time and be fun. And then some, one thing went a little wrong, one thing a little bit there. And next thing you know, it's like, wait, whatever happened to Becky? Becky's not a friend. I'm made right. up the name, by the way. <laughs> um, but She's like, the one with the good hair, though, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right here. Yeah. That's right here. And so, like at a certain level, you know, I think that uh, 
I think it's part of getting older, right? And part of like really kind of uh, uh, we we all get these worry lines and wrinkles for a reason, and uh, and so and so I think that like you know I I wanted to, but people are still trying. That's one thing I think. Hopefully, all the characters have in common. They're still all trying to make their lives better and to latch on to something bigger than themselves. Yeah, I liked that about. Yeah, I guess that's basically all of the characters in some way yeah. is they're reaching out to other people they're doing things for themselves there's some almost something inherently social about the book as a whole right many of the characters maybe not yeah. every individual character but many of the characters are like that and it's the way i hate this expression and i'm going to say it anyway how athens is like a character in the <laughs> book everyone should feel free to just turn off the podcast and unsubscribe no. right now but like obviously you live there i've spent a little bit of time there i know other mm. people who are there you know you mentioned uh, restaurants and other locations i know yeah. well within the book and to me it, it it helped underscore the it's not a small town but there's a, a little bit of that feel right where people yeah. know enough people in the book know each other they're not all directly connected many of them are in the in Lindbergh's at the end of the book right. and don't know each other but there are enough little connections there that it does feel like a highly a, a highly interconnected book a highly social book where there even with telling all these origin stories it's very interactive i guess that's really more the word yeah. that i'm talking about as opposed to Here's one episode. Here's another episode. Here's yeah, another yeah. one. And now I'm just going to mush them together. No, these people are actually connected, many directly and some indirectly, some they don't even know it until they get to Lindbergh's at yeah. the end. And some of them, and I, you know, that that is a, uh, there's two aspects to that. One is just the notion that like the things we do in our lives affect people all the time, even if we don't realize that whatever private thing, like I can, I can have as much empathy as I, as I can for people who are going through uh, difficult things in their lives, uh, their actions still affect other people. And I, and, and so even people that they may not know or may not realize that they're affecting. And so there's that aspect to it. And then I think Athens, you know, I live in Athens, obviously. It'll be 10 years in June. I can't believe it. And um, and I love Athens, but I'm also an outsider to Athens. I'm from Illinois. I lived in New York for 13 years. And one of the things I love about Athens, and one of the reasons I kind of feel like Athens is the place that this book had to be set, at, like, listen, uh, Athens is a college town. And so it has all the college town aspect to it. But it is also in Georgia. It is also surrounded by rural areas. Also has a huge football contingent. Has also has an old old school music contingent where you can go to the go to the Earth Fair and you're seeing Michael Stipe carrying kitty litter uh, down the road. <laughs> and and it's also it also has like a thriving black community here. And and like it is it, the thing that I love about Athens. You know, I lived in New York for 13 years and I lived in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn for eight. I love Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. There's probably people listening right now from Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, for very pro Cobble Hill. Uh, but, it, you know, what was really hard is finding people that didn't look like me and think exactly like me in Cobble Hill. <laughs> and, 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 and to a certain point where, uh, and I think most American cities and cities and rural communities, most of America is like that. We all have our silos. And we and and I think that has led to the polarization and not just the polarization, but the otherness that everyone seems to have to everyone right now. Everyone wants like, like, oh, well, that person 
You know, I, I, I now know everything I need to know about this person because of this biographical detail. And once I've learned, oh, they believe this. I saw what they put on social media. Now I know this person. And, and one of the things I love about Athens is there are silos. There are no questions. Everyone has a silo. Everyone wants to be belong and do something. But Athens is, because it's a college town, but it's, because it's, but it's still small, all of these people are still on top of each other. And there's all these little different silos. Uh, Daniel talks about this a little bit and how lucky when you go to a football game and all of a sudden there's just like, I always joke that like I literally went to a tailgate last year where there was a, a an Abrams t- a tailgate over here and a Kemp tailgate over here. And by the end of the tailgate, everyone was doing sh- doing shots together. And, uh, and yeah, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot. <laughs> and, like, and, and, it's fine, but it's fine, right? Yeah. And, and I, you know, that is a part of uh the world that uh, i miss if i'm being entirely honest and and i think it's still there uh if we just look for it if we just see it and one of the things i love about athens you can't hide from it here you cannot walk around like i did in cobble hill and be like well there's another person that agrees with me there's another person that agrees with me there's another person that agrees with me i'm in my comfort happy place and if anyone is that's outside of this place disagrees with me they're obviously wrong because they're not here and i the thing i love about athens is it's not like that there are there's silos you they clearly are there but it's just too small of a place for these people not to collide and i and it's one of the things that I love, 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 love about Athens. And I wish more Americans uh, Americans had the opportunity to live in a place like that, where you certainly, you, you have your beliefs challenged. You th- They don't necessarily change. Maybe they do and maybe they don't, but they are challenged. And they make you wrestle with them and make you think about them in a way that I think matters. I used to always joke that my when I lived in Brooklyn, um, uh, when I, my, my, I think here in Athens, my best friends are like, one's a preacher, one owns a board game cafe, one's a lawyer, one's a landscaper. Uh, and in New York, my five best friends all worked in media. And so, and so I was just fine. They were my friends and I still like them, but like we, we would all, and I, I still love to get together with them and just gossip the way we all love to gossip about media stuff. But I, that was, it, that was too much of a silo. And I did, and I, I like people that disagree with me. It's actually kind of weird when you take a step back from it, that we would ever be upset by another person disagreeing with us because the thing is they're a whole other person (laughs) like you're a whole keith you are a different human being than me we didn't we have we have different dna we grew up in different places we're different ages that we're close and uh like it is very bizarre this kind of uh uh, instinct that we have to try to find like well i mean that 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 person they don't agree with me on this so why would i hang out with that person like why why do we want that why why would we want people to have that so that's why i love about athens why i like to be able to set the book in athens is because these six people are all very different (laughs) they're very very different and i tried to even write the sections differently because it's a third person narrative but you're inside the head of each one of these characters when you're right and hopefully it reads different i talked to uh jane oppenheimer who was the audio who did the uh does the audio book which i've not heard and i can't wait to hear it and she told me about this was this was see, this is a particularly difficult book to do a because you write really long sentences will <laughs> she I, said I that have, I was like, just to which, be clear I have no issue with that whatsoever. Oh no, she likes the sentence. We she are loves team the long sentence here. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's team semicolon. Yes. and team everything. 
threes. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. And so, and she liked, she liked that book. She said it was, a, she was more challenged, but the larger thing was that like, she's like, I have to come up with like each one of these characters is so specifically drawn and so specifically different than the other ones, which is the point. And that's actually one of the larger points of the book is that like, they're all incredibly different, but they all want the same thing. They all want to be happy. They all want to be safe. They all want to, they, they all want to feel like they belong somewhere. They all want to feel like everything's going to be okay and uh one of the reasons i wanted to have all those different characters and one of the reasons they had to be in athens was because i wanted them while you see how different they are hopefully by the time you get to that pharmacy and you see everything's going on you realize they are actually all quite similar and kind of want the same things which hopefully we can all try to remember in a time where that's sometimes difficult and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free hey frank a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct tv What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. It's... Uh... It's funny, you moved to Athens the same month that I moved to Delaware, and I had previously lived in Arizona just for a couple of years, where, if anything, I was probably politically speaking in the minority. Um, obviously, this is pre-Trump, so that it means something quite different or meant something quite different at the time. And then moved here where I am in greater Wilmington, not actually in the city, but but I mean, Delaware is just not that big, right? It's hard to be far right, right. from the city. Right, but I am right. absolutely in what. A, a very liberal part of a very liberal state. And so folks around here, you can kind of assume where they're going to land politically. Um, you know, if you go south of Del Delaware, only has three counties. And it's funny because it's like very blue up top. The middle one is a mix and the bottom one is red. And so you can see even just driving it, which I've done many times. So you can see that it's almost like a uh, an ombre effect of the political signage right. as you start to yes, move yes, south. Yes. But I, you know, obviously I travel a ton. I was actually just you know before what will and I started late today because my flight back from Jacksonville was late. And I do I notice exactly what you're what you're talking about as I travel. It's like oh well no, wait now I'm an outsider. I mean not just physically but in right. People here think differently than I do. And that's okay, right? We tend to Yeah, forget. we're actually still in the same country. Yes. Like I, I feel like obliged to remind people that we are actually still in the same country. And it's funny because like in every town's like that, right? Like, like I, I'll talk to someone, like when I talk to a friend of mine from New York and they're like, they're an ad, because you know, everybody during the 2020 election learned all of the Georgia counties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> everybody knows all the Georgia oh, counties because yes. they yeah, watch right. every vote kind of come in. And so they are, so my friends in New York will always like note like, oh, I see that you're in this little blue college area. And I'm like, yes, but I like you in New York, if you go five miles outside of that area, it is entirely red. <laughs> like, and, I, I, and so I'm like, and I think that that kind of, that's, you know, I, I, uh, 
I, listen, I, I'm a city person, as, as we talked about. Like, if for just for the very least, the restaurants are generally a lot better <laughs> in, in cities. But uh, I, I, I would, <laughs> I, I don't mean it fits by that. I'm just saying that there's, there's more museums and better restaurants. Um, and uh, the point is, is that, like, you know, I think that, um, you know, that is, I, I mean, I grew up in farm country, Illinois, right? And like, you know, I've lived in New York and and I've lived in St. Louis and I've lived in Los Angeles and I live in Athens. And I feel like a little bit of an outsider of all of, from, in all of those places in a way that makes me, has made me kind of realize that the, everyone is really just kind of the same. The people in Mattoon are uh, are the same as the people in New York. They just have different, they just have different things that they care about. They have, they have different priorities. I think that the people in New York are a little more based in the science and fact based community, but uh, of course I would think that because like that, that's like, and also like there are facts in science, but more to the point, like they want the same things and they are products of their environment in a very similar way. And uh, and so that that's the thing I've generally kind of noticed, and I try to keep in mind anytime I'm writing. Uh, one of the things that's fun for me to write write novels now because I still I still write about baseball, I still write for New York, so I write for MLB, I still write for everyone. But the, one of the things that's really fun for me to do write about fiction is I can write about things that I see without having to tie them specifically to something dogmatic and 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 a specific biographical situation. I can I can play with stuff like Jason, the, the, he's the father of the guy we were talking about earlier. Oh, this is a Keith Law fan. Uh, like he is a he's a construction dude. He is a Trump voter. And he's explicitly a Trump voter, by the way, because if you remember, I don't know if you listened to the time the Grierson Leach podcast where we talked about the movie Stillwater. Stillwater is the one with Matt Damon, where he's the he's the Amanda Knox movie where he goes to France and uh, he's he's a burly Carhartt wearing Oklahoma guy. And he goes to Paris and uh, falls in love with like some French artist. Uh, but she asks him, she's like, Did you vote for Trump? And clearly. This guy voted for <laughs> like an obvious, like the whole point of Matt Damon getting all burled up and having thick beard and talking like this is the idea that he's trying to signal we Hollywood, we get you real the real America. But when the actual moment where he has to say this sympathetic character say I voted for Trump, and they back off. He's like, well, I I have a felony in my past, so I'm not allowed to vote. I'm like, God, get out of here with this. Get out of here with this. You totally sold out. Like to me, like Jason, I love Jason as a character. I love Jason's character. I think he's a good person. He's trying to be a good dad and doing the, do the right thing. And I and I the fact that I, he uh, uh, voted for someone who I think is a horrible demagogue and God for God help us all if this goes wrong in a couple if this goes wrong next year. I don't actually think that makes him a horrible human being. It makes him misguided. And I, I would love to be able to to uh, uh, him. I wish he wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, but I, I think this this kind of idea that someone uh, we if someone disagrees with us, even on something as major as Trump uh, makes them lose their inherent humanity is just something I'm not comfortable doing. It's it, it, it it's one of the rare places where we I think we disagree. Like and, and I know I know yeah it's and where, I think that's fair yeah where I've had a hard time you know I, I trust me I have friends who voted for Trump I have friends who voted Republican I, I don't think I have many friends who are uh, where we just completely differ on like you know what I would consider sort of like core issues humanity right, issues right. like basic human values necessarily but you're gonna have a hard time you're gonna have a hard time uh, uh being a racist sexist transphobic jerker and be my friend I'll right yes, yes exactly exactly <laughs> right right but these are things I find hard to navigate because I will confess, like internally, I think it's funny because I, I didn't read this and say Jason's a terrible person. He's a horrible character. I can mm. never talk to this guy. But you know what? When you talked about him as a Trump voter, I just 
heard the little click in my head and it's like, oh, now I think about him differently. And this which, is, which is okay. Which, which is, is not okay. something that would have been true, yeah. you know, 10, 15 yeah. years ago if you said, well, he voted for George W. Bush. Eh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree. listen, I agree with you. Like, I don't disagree with you on this. I'm just not mm-hmm. ready to write him off. Right. <laughs> like, like, Because you're a but better I, I, person I, I, than I am, clearly. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, maybe not. It may make me a word. It may make me, it may make me too permissive. Like, I, that, that's an argument that could be made. Mm-hmm. And I, listen, we are, we're all just trying to do our best. We're all, I have no, it's very weird for me. This is the reason I'm bad at social media. Because it's so strange to me that, like, like, the thing about social media is it gives the illusion of certainty. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know about you, but I've never once like been lying in my bed, looking up at the ceiling and thinking, man, I nailed everything. To oh, my everything God. I did. That's not a feeling. Right. That's not real. Every, of course not. Of course not. People but, who feel that I way must that, have like cluster B personality disorder. I don't like, that's think not anybody thing. does. No. But see, that's my point. I yeah. don't think anybody is, even the people that are absolutely 100% certain of themselves about everything on social media all day, there's no way they do that. There's just no way. We're all flawed creatures. We're all confused. We're all scared. We're all just trying to do our best. And what social media does, it, it's because it's so performative, it, it's so performative that it makes you, like, there's no benefit to be like, I always joke, I, the, thing, the example I always use about this is now social media has just made everybody the medium. And, and it's fun to watch them wrestle with the stuff that we've been wrestling with for like 25 years. Like, like people always like, well, every time I turn on the news, this would be, people say this, right? Every time I turn on the news, it's bad news. Well, yes, because you don't start the news at five. Hello. Hi, I'm Dan Rather. Everything's fine. Go back to what you're doing. Don't worry. Enjoy your dinner. Go, go, go ahead and relax. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that 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 you did not die, and nobody close to you died, and there's nothing to worry about. So relax. No, that that's not news. That's not media. Media is about change and difference. And now that everyone is kind of in their own way, a little bit of a media person, they're of course doing that. Everything is about I've got a strong take on this. Here's a bad thing. Here's the thing that's wrong. And I just try to remember that like people are not actually like that at the end of the day. And uh, uh, it helps me. Uh, I'd like to say it helps me understand. People more, but it really just pushes me off of social media. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is probably almost certainly better for your mental health. Uh, so the last question I wanted to ask about the time is coming, then we'll talk about some totally unrelated questions too, um, just because we haven't talked in a while. Yeah. I, you could, it, it, when, when thinking about the book after I was done, the book moved so fast. I think I told you, I read it in less than 72 hours. I absolutely couldn't put That's the good. thing down. Um it didn't want to put the thing down. Uh, even the you know the house was actually on fire at one point. I was like, "Hang on, I got to finish <laughs> yeah. this chapter." Uh, that's what that's that's why the cover is put together with gorilla glue. Yeah, yes. <laughs> just can't, the book is fine. Can't. House less, yeah, so the, but bu- the book is okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. The book the book is fine, but I just literally could not get my hands <laughs> off of right. it. Like I just physically could not unleash. Unput downable says Keith Law <laughs> with the book still <laughs> stuck to his hands and, yes. se- and several people with hand lesions. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I felt like afterwards it was easy for me to say, actually, these six, seven people, I tend to think of Tina as separate from the others, but yeah, I shouldn't. Which is understandable. Which is understandable. Well, I, it's the first person thing more than anything yeah. else. And obviously, she's the actor. She is the person who sort yeah. of ignites what happens at the end of the yeah. book, too. But I thought this is actually a pretty representative group, right? They're they're well you put them together and you get the sort of, uh, this is the microcosm of America. I mean, not yeah. really, right? But you you right. distinguish them enough, even sort of 
in general background and a little bit demographically. You really separate them in their personality, which comes across over the course of the book as a whole. But I'm curious in the conception part, um, because I know you, you, you know, one of the things I think we, one of the reasons I like your movie work so much is that we, we glom onto characters too. I think the same way I appreciate the same things so much. I can think of multiple times you've said about a movie. I just wanted to spend more time with this character. I felt that way about how lucky I felt that way about this book. Like I would want to spend more time with basically all I of like characters, characters more than plot. Yeah. Right? I, I'm, I'm more of a character person than I am. Yeah. I can. Hey, look, I like, good old fashioned murder mysteries and detective stories too. But there, I also recognize they're a little bit empty calories, right? Where do I really get sucked in characters? And I was curious as you created this set of characters too, how much of it was just sort of organic. Hey, these people popped up. I thought of these people and I just went with it. And how much was, all right, I need someone who's like, like Jason, for example, I need someone who is politically going to be different than the other characters or else I run into that. You know, that that thread of, oh, I've created Cobble Hill basically in in Athens, <laughs> which is not going to be accurate. Right. Yeah, I would say that, like, I wanted I definitely wanted some difference. But but in, in a lot of ways, one of my biggest fears for the book, and hopefully people won't not feel this way, is uh, everyone, every single character would talk and sound like Will Leach or Daniel. <laughs> and 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 uh so at a certain level you uh create as much level of difficulty for you to do that as you possibly could which is to say uh, i i almost none of those characters are really like I would say the closest is probably Jace, who's not one of the six major characters. He's the son of one of the major characters. I don't think a lot of those characters are really like me. And it allows, you know, some of them are inspired by certain people. Uh, some of them, uh, uh, you know, I, I got the idea of, uh, and, and then there's Daphne. There's, there's actually two smaller characters in the book and How Lucky that are larger characters in this book. If you read How Lucky, uh, Daphne, the nurse in this, she is the nurse at the end of How Lucky. And uh, she's the one that's taking care of Daniel at the end of How Lucky. And I kind of expanded her story because I was kind of interested by her when I did that. But on the whole, I just wanted... I figured out the people first. Like I said, I guess that's just kind of like the, that's why the, the plot of the book, such as it is, is almost me tricking myself or like me making sure that I have a, I, I, there's a road that I have to get back on. Cause if I'm not careful, I will just like, Oh, I'm, we're just going to, Theo's just going to talk about his life for a long time. I need to like, keep getting, cause I all, I like, I want to go forever with these characters. There's, there's one thing that got cut from the book where, uh, 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 there's like a weird section about Jason's mother-in-law who lived in who is who le now lives in a small town in Illinois, but lived in Paris and was drawn. And, was, but, and the idea is that like everyone in your life has this rich, long story that you might not know about. And my editor was like, wow, this is really great. Why are we focused on this character that we're never going to go back to again? I'm like, sorry, I just love, I just love characters. And so, and so like, you know, so I cut, like, that's the point is that like, you know, the original version of the book was about 121,000 words. We got it cut down to about 97 and how lucky is about 72. So it's still longer. And, but I, you know, I wanted to, uh, I, I'm glad I wrote it that way because uh, every single section, every single character, the original stories is much, much longer. Uh, than what's in the book, but we stripped out everything that wasn't necessary, that didn't tie into the thing, and then we added kind of connections as we went along. Like Daphne in particular, she was uh, a last-second rewrite. We changed her a lot in the final version, and uh, it's still true to who she is, and it's still it's still it's still very much connected to that. But uh, like the care, like the last thing that is added in the book was Daphne's dad, 
Because literally the last thing happened, the last thing we had, because we we just moved her. I worked on a project a while back about. Uh, I had a friend who went off to uh, uh, went off to Afghanistan in two thousand. Uh, was deployed in Afghanistan in like two thousand thirteen, and then came back uh, and came back to the United States. We're like. What the hell happened? (laughs) (laughs) And so I was always kind of, I always kind of wanted to uh, capture that somewhat. And Daphne allowed me to kind of capture that in the last thing. But on the whole, you know, I think that, um, I think that I wanted, I, I like the idea that the characters get to explore and be as different from me as possible. Cause I find them a lot more interesting than me. I'm, I'm a middle-aged dad that watches too much baseball and, and watches too many movies and doesn't like to leave his office. <laughs> so like, like I am not an interesting character. Mm-hmm. So, I, so, uh, so for me, it is so much fun to meet all of these other people and see what they've been through and see, you know, again, the, if there's one theme of the book, it is kind of resilience uh, and empathy for other people. And I certainly, I feel like I, str- everybody struggled during, during not just COVID, but, but like kind of everything. We live in tumultuous times. Like we do, we live in times that are very stressful for everyone, whatever your political persuasion, things have not been easy for a, for a while. And so, uh, but I feel like relatively speaking, I've had it, pretty well if i'm being entirely honest i i you know i i've, I've been able to stay employed i've been able to, to keep doing what i what i care about and i've been scared and my and my family is safe and well uh so i you know i i've been scared and terrified by a lot of things the last few years but i can also see other people that have been affected a lot worse than me and i find their struggles and their kind of courage to get through that a lot more interesting than uh than me sitting in my office being like uh okay now i can tell we're getting back to normal because the coffee shops are busier than they used to be uh, I've t- it's time for america to get back to the office for we freelance writers since 2005 can uh, can get back and have our coffee shops back yes uh coffee shop yes office no office bad bad Absolutely. i know well no yeah. no i don't want to go <laughs> no i office, know you don't but yeah, i yeah. want all of nobody you should go to an office go, yeah no, no no they should all go in the office because oh. they're making the coffee shop real crowded <laughs> for me so uh that's what i'm saying like uh, my, uh, jason gay the wall street journal mm-hmm. uh columnist had a really funny piece uh, during uh, in the midst of COVID, where it was a conversation, it was right when everyone started to have the go back to office debates. It was a conversation between a dog and a cat, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and, the, and the dog uh, and the dog was like, "I love having my having my people around all the time." And the cat's like, "It's time for America to get back to work. Yeah, right, right. Ask, let me have my house back." And so I thought that was really. Oh funny. my god! You basically make it sound like cats are Trump supporters or something, which. <laughs> would fit yeah. actually no yeah it, yes, it checks yeah, out it yes. does check out it does check yeah. out um a totally unrelated question but for folks who don't know uh will co-host a podcast with his longtime friend tim grierson called the grierson and leach podcast where they review several movies a week there's also a substantial amount of banter um, there's probably too much i enjoy yeah. the banter <laughs> yes sometimes the banter goes on so long i get a shout out which is always hilarious because <laughs> usually i'm in the car often it's like you know late at night i'm driving back from a minor league game and suddenly i hear my name and i'm like ah what happened whoa you're talking about talking that's about. a weird thing when that that happened zach i was just talking about zach Lowe's podcast earlier that happened like nine months ago uh-huh. and as on a low podcast i was like what? yeah right. Like, right. I, did, I, I think i was running yeah. and i almost like fell off the trail i was like wait where did 
are you talking about? No, whenever that happens, and that's a rare thing, obviously. Like, not like you and I are in the public realm, but we're hardly famous. And so, like, like the but it's very weird when like someone uh, this happens happened for you with the if you listen to an athletic baseball podcast, even the ones that you're not on, this has to happen constantly because they're constantly like, oh, it's an exciting day for uh, for Zach, uh, what's his name, Zach Zeto or the, the Angels guy, is it? Neto, yes, it's very, it's very exciting to say for Zach Neto, who's 47 on Zach Law, on, on Keith Law's Keith Law's list. That must happen to you constantly. Like no one, no one like has a Will Leach list that they are referring to on a regular basis. You're constantly getting shot. Yeah, probably, but I don't listen to those things as much. Like I, my, I'm very diligent. My podcasts are generally not sports not related. Sports. They're not yeah, baseball, probably sports, right? Like I, probably I smart. am weird. I mean, I, I defend it. I think it is like a self-care thing, but like I have oh, yeah, my yeah. leisure things, some of which have yes. become obviously things I write about too. And I have work. Like people are like, don't you go to, you must go to baseball games like for fun. No, <laughs> I have done that three times in 15 years, yeah. maybe. And once I was basically invited for a social event and couldn't say yeah. no, and I had a very nice time, but that was much more yeah. about the people. Like I barely remember right. what happened in the game necessarily. So, um, but the thing I wanted to ask you about, I love your movie talks. I love your movie reviews. It's really interesting too. Cause sometimes I agree, obviously you and Tim, you, you agree a lot. You disagree a lot. Yeah. But I do. Oh, we grew up together. Like, yes. you know I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, but um, it's funny because I don't, consistently agree more with either of you, right? Sometimes I'm like, well, Will's right on this one and Tim is out of his mind or vice versa. Yeah. Um, but writing about movies is Tim's full-time thing. It's not your full-time thing. And I love watching movies. I watch almost all the movies you guys recommend and I watch lots of other random, I go online, watch this, watch this. It is really hard to find time to watch oh, yeah. movies. And I it am is. curious because you do it for pay. I watch movies for fun. And fortunately, my wife, uh, loves watching movies too and we always do like all the oscar nominees etc and you know now when i'm i've been flying i caught up i watched return to soul on the flight to jackson oh, yeah, yeah. yesterday which yeah. i thought was excellent i'm glad i yeah, finally yeah, caught up good. with yeah. it yeah. yes yeah. but i had to watch it with the french subtitles somehow i ended up renting a huh. version that had no english anywhere and i'm like keep going back trying to figure this out it's like God, this <laughs> this is not going to go well. So, anyway. yeah, so we're we're going to learn French too to watch yes. a Korean, yes. Korean movie. A, a Korean movie <laughs> submitted by Cambodia for the Oscars. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, where, how and where do you catch up with movies? Because you you must watch a ton more movies than than say I do, for example. And yeah. you know, you're like, where do you fit it in? And then also watch your Cardinals lose. Yeah, well, that, I'm having a little break from this. And that's the nice thing about that West Coast collapse, by the way. I'm like, yeah, I'm not staying up for no. this. Um, uh, if they're going to go two and eight in a road trip, I'd much rather it be in Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles than Chicago and, and Pittsburgh. Um, but uh, I would, you know, it is. It's a challenge because not just that, but like, you know, Tim, uh, Tim, Tim is the vice president of the Los Angeles Film Critics Association. Tim is a big shot. Like he writes, he's a trade, he writes for Screen International, he writes for Vulture. Like he is like a very respected and revered critic that go, that they will like move screening times for him. Like Tim is, he sees everything. He's very connected in Los Angeles. He knows all the stuff. I, um, I am a member of the Atlanta Film Critics Association, but Atlanta is not Los Angeles. I'm not, uh, and more to the point, I also live an hour and a half from Atlanta. So I, I and um, so I would say the what it really costs me uh, is television. 
I never know what anybody's talking about on television. Like I, like I, like I just, I'm so far behind. I, I'm four episodes. I actually love Succession. I think Succession is a terrific show, and I'm four episodes behind, even though I truly love that show because I just, I can't. I have time. I, I, I'm tired. TV is the thing I've generally lost in the translation that I've run out of time. Or TV shows. I got two episodes into Beef, which is great. And there was a time in my life where. I would be like, wow, this is so, so awesome. I'm now going to binge it. That time is over. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no time to do that anymore. So uh, it is weird because particularly as the culture has started to move more toward television and again, away from movies, at least in the way that people can, the average person consumes these things. I it, Sometimes I do where I'm a little outside of the cultural conversation because people are like, there are like all like, this is a great example of this. Like all of a sudden, it's like, wait, everyone's into F one racing right now. Why? What's what's happening with that? I, I and it's because there's a TV show. There's a TV show that everybody watches, and they get to know all the guys. That's why there's now a golf TV show and a tennis TV show. And uh, and and because of that, it's also made my um, a show has to be really really good for me to stick with it. And if they have like one down episode, I'm out. I have to say, I think Ted Lasso was not made for me. I'm sorry. I, I know. I know people love it. I know people love it. I, it it's kind of not my. It's, it's kind of not my cup of tea. Uh, and and but it may have gotten better. I don't know. I just lost halfway through, and I'm never going to be able to get back to it. So you know, I think that I, that's really what I've lost is a consuming thing. Otherwise, though, it's just being highly organized. You know how it is. It's the only way you can get anything. I'm like you, right? Like like I'll look over, and you've done two game reviews for paste and you're running over like you you're certainly very productive with this stuff too i don't know how you have time to play these games so like you know i think i think that like at a certain level we all kind of make our choices and to me the the it's fun to do grierson leach but like the the key to that podcast i mean those are the same conversations that tim and i were having when we were 16 years old leaving twin peaks Firewalk with me in a, decatur, <laughs> in, 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 in a, a theater in decatur illinois and driving the 45 minutes back to matt Toon and having a uh, having a long discussion about the movie we just saw and you know that that was how i mean i know most people were, were probably out like you know uh, uh doing all the reckless things that you're supposed to be doing in high school <laughs> uh we were watching movies and just sit and just driving around the car and not drinking and just being like you know nerds uh talking about movie so to get to do that now i always forget that people listen to the show <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's just me and tim talking so you know i do sometimes forget that people actually listen to it so uh but that's the fun of it for me I, if uh, there is i'll put it this way if tim decided he didn't want to do it tomorrow i would not be like wait who's my co-host like it would be over <laughs> like it would be over like it, it is it is a thing to do with the to to do with grierson and then if he ever decides he wasn't want to do it i'll finally get caught up on beef maybe i'll there like ted lasso maybe i'll end up like a ted lasso yeah like ted lasso uh, season probably, three is Ooh, yeah. yeah, and frankly, I'll, I'll still like movies more. I'll still like, 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 like I, the for the for the for the show this week, we're doing shortcuts. The uh, the uh, Robert Altman film, which was that's a directly a direct inspiration of uh, of my book, and it's a and I, I my son's a base little league game at five thirty. We won't be back till like eight or eight fifteen, and everyone will be in bed because everyone in my family because I'm I'm a mean dad, uh, and then I will sit down. I'm going to sit down with a glass of wine and watch the three out in complete darkness, watch the three hour shortcuts. And I can not wait. I've been looking forward to it all day. And so uh, to me, I don't have that about TV shows. Maybe I had it with uh, better call Saul. I thought better call Saul was really good, but uh, I, I, that, and I had the Sopranos obviously back in the day, there were some of those, but I don't really have that with TV shows anymore, but that notion of just watching a, a great movie and getting lost in it is an experience. Uh, it's a high that I will always kind of chase. 
My guest this week has been my friend Will Leach. You should pre-order his new book, The Time Has Come, which will be out on May 16th. Or if you haven't read it, you should go back and uh, buy How Lucky, his last book, which came out in 2021. You can also find him at William F. Leach, L-E-I-T-C-H dot substack dot com. Will, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I, I, I got to keep writing books so I can, I can keep coming on and breaking the yeah, record of uh, yep. most people being on the show. Next May, no, well, two Mays from now. We'll book it. Yep. Paperback comes back in a year. There you we'll, go. We'll talk about that the works. incredible comeback from the 2023 Cardinals. Perfect. To, uh, yes. Book it now. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Keith. Thanks. That's all for this week's show. Thanks so much for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.